I'm Jonathan Birch. Uh, I'm an assistant professor in the departments of philosophy, logic and scientific method, the London School of Economics, and I specialise in the philosophy of biology. I and mean, I see that philosophy of biology is really a kind of catch-all term for any issues that intersect philosophy and the biological sciences. And the relationship can run both ways. I mean, in some cases, it's a matter of dealing with big questions about the nature of the biological world, biological entities, biological processes, that for whatever reason are considered kind of too foundational or too conceptual for biologists to have time to deal with in their day-to-day -day work. So questions like what is the nature of life itself? What is an organism? What is a species? What is a gene? Uh, what is fitness? Questions like that. But on the other hand, there can be relations the other way too, where we start with some big philosophical question, and then we realize that you know, drawing on the, on the biological sciences, and in particular on evolutionary biology, fundamentally changes the way in which we see that philosophical question. The eminent um, Russian 20th century biologist Theodosius Dobzhansky once remarked that nothing in biology makes sense except in the light of evolution. He had in mind things like species, um, the function of organs. You can't make sense of these things until you realize their evolutionary history. I think there's also an important sense in which nothing in philosophy makes sense except in the light of evolution. Because taking an evolutionary perspective uh, on philosophical questions can often transform those questions in profound ways. I mean, we start, I think, with the idea that one way or another, human beings are a part of the natural world and a product of natural processes, evolutionary processes. Everything we are has a history, including, you know, not just the capacities we have in common with our great ape relatives, but also the capacities that may, may seem plausibly to be distinctive. Our, our rich mental lives, our rich social lives, our rich ethical lives. All of these things have an evolutionary history. And once you realize that, you start to view some classical philosophical questions about the origin and nature of these capacities in a new light. From the very beginning, I mean, it's always been an aim of evolutionary biology to explain all of the distinctive capacities of, of human beings, including our capacity for, for moral judgment, for ethical judgment. I mean, Darwin in The Descent of Man in 1871 I mean, identified the moral sense as perhaps the one thing that he thought posed the most trouble for an evolutionary perspective on humanity because it seemed like the most unique aspect um, of humans as opposed to other non-human animals. But nevertheless, he thought, you know, there really, there really were ways in which we could see how our moral sense has gradually evolved from simpler capacities for sympathy, for altruism. And so this tradition carries on uh, to in, the, in the present day. We now have quite a detailed understanding of the various ways in which evolutionary processes might have led to something like the human moral sense. But then that, of course, leads to very interesting questions about what that means for ethics. Does it change the status of ethics or not? Um, I mean, one, I mean, there's, there's sources of real, real concerns here in the form of, of so-called evolutionary debunking arguments, where we start with the thought that a lot of our ethical judgments seem to be based very heavily on intuitions. You know, the, the intuition that it's just wrong to push a man off a bridge, or the intuition that it's just wrong to 
drive by in your car when someone is bleeding uh, by the roadside. You should get out and help them. Then the concern is that we can take all of these intuitions and we can give an evolutionary explanation of them about how they helped our ancestors meet the demands of social living in small groups, how it allowed them to promote the, uh, the fitness of the group. Then the concern is that if we give this kind of evolutionary explanation, we've explained the intuition in terms of a process that is in no way sensitive to moral truths. Because natural selection just isn't the kind of process that cares about right or wrong. It only cares about whether something promotes fitness or whether it doesn't promote fitness. And so we've explained this whole intuition in terms of a process that we have no reason to think is a particularly reliable guide to what the moral truth is. And then there's a the thought that, well, if, if that's where these intuitions are coming from, you know, not from this kind of magical, rational insight into moral truths, but just from our evolutionary history, maybe that undermines some of the, the, the justification that we thought we had for taking those intuitions seriously.